we are, we're just turning people loose to do ministry and be praying about how you could serve. Uh, I want to share with you also, today is my last day before I go on sabbatical. If you missed it last week or the week before, I'll be gone for a few weeks just uh, praying and, and just spending some time uh, seeking the Lord's face for what's next. And so Pastor Adam is going to start a new series next week called Messy Family, Finding God's Best in Our Dysfunctional Mess. Say that with me. Finding God's best in our dysfunctional mess. Now, maybe some of you can't relate to that, but maybe there's some others of us that can. So that'll run through most of the summer called Messy Family. But today, I wanted to talk to you uh, this morning from a message called Wrestling with God. Say that with me. Wrestling with God. And so the question I would ask you today is, are we running in fear or wrestling for faith? Are we running in fear or are we wrestling for faith? And I got to thinking about this whole idea of wrestling. And it was about 10 years ago, my brother Chris, who's my youngest brother, um, was playing football at Pittsburgh State. And, and Chris and I have always been close. And even just as a child growing up, we would always wrestle together. And because I was 10 years older than him, when he was real little, um, it would just be him running in the living room with a little football and me just kind of tackling him. And we did that for hours all the time. And as he would grow up, we'd just continue to wrestle and jack around here and there. But he got into college, and I used to live over at this parsonage here that's just in this parking lot. And I was standing in the living room, and he starts telling me how much he can squat. He's like squatting almost 500 pounds. And you know, he's just ripped up from lifting all the time. And I got this thought in my mind that he was just kind of mouthing me and just kind of talking to me a little bit and just kind of talking trash to me. And I don't care how much you can lift. You know, I can still whip you or something like that. And he kept, he kept just kind of agging me on. And there was two things that started happening to me. One was, can I still take him? And two is, am I going to show him that I can and so I've got this fear in my head that if I start to wrestle with him, I'm going to get embarrassed. But there's this other part of me that's like, I can still do this. And so I remember this inner conflict, this wrestling inside of me of what to do. He said something else to me, and I just grabbed him and just went to pile driving to the ground. And, you know, I'd been away from home for a few years when we had moved back. And so it had been a long time since we wrestled him. And Chris had this look on his face like, oh, yeah. And so... As I take him to the ground, my entire back just pops. And I, and I just remember he's like, you know, I'm just holding on for dear life. And I think Whitney and somebody else kind of called it to an end. But I just remember thinking, I am not going to let go no matter what this man does to me. And I got to thinking about that today, as silly as that story is, because there's times where God wants us to wrestle with him, not to see who could win, because obviously we know who would win, the Lord would win. But because there's something in our life that God wants to, to change, or something that he's wanting to call us to, or, or a victory um, to, you know, to overcome, or, or peace to take place. Part of my sabbatical this summer is just wrestling with God about what's the next vision that God has for our church, and what is he calling us to, and Maybe there's some things in your life that maybe God is calling you to wrestle with. Maybe there's a, a sin in your life. Or maybe there's a job opportunity that you're trying to figure out how do you find God's will in that. Or, or maybe there's a relationship in your family or at your work or somewhere that's, that's just not right. And even though maybe you've done the right thing or maybe you haven't done the right thing, regardless of wherever you find yourself with that, 
there's this tension there where you're just not sure what you're supposed to do. And when you have those dark nights of your soul or when you have those come to Jesus moments or when you have those those days where you where you're wrestling with. I remember wrestling with am I going to ask this girl to marry me? Is this the one for me? And wrestling with that. There's all kinds of things that God calls us to wrestle to. They're not always good and they're not always bad, but they're this this tension in us. You ever had someone not speak to you or won't won't talk to you or or you want to make it right but they won't and you know on your side You've done the right thing, and even though you're doing the right thing, how come you don't feel better about it? This, this inside of us that just wrestles with something. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32, and we're going to be looking at this guy named Jacob. Because a lot of, the, a lot of Jacob's life, and if you don't know this story, I want to just share it with you today, but there's this man named Jacob in Scripture, and Jacob has a twin brother, and I'm not trying to bore you here, but this sets up where I'm going, so hang with me for just a second. Basically, from Genesis chapter 25 through 32 is kind of, I'm going to just paraphrase it real quickly for us today, but in chapter 32, Jacob wrestles with God, but it'll mean more if we understand how he got there. You ever been in the kitchen, and you walk in the living room, and you're in the middle of a, somebody's in the middle of a movie? And it doesn't make sense because you didn't stop. You didn't start at the beginning. So if I read the scripture to you without the context before, it'd be like getting in the middle of a movie. So Jacob is, is a, has a twin brother. In fact, scripture tells us that even when Rebekah was pregnant, Jacob's mother was named Rebekah, Isaac and Rebekah had prayed for a child and God answered that prayer. But there wasn't just one baby inside. There was two. And, and God had answered this prayer and and. There's these two babies, these twin babies inside of Rebecca, and Rebecca starts to notice that they're that they feels like it sounds crazy, but like they're fighting with each other inside. Not just like kicking, like a normal baby would kick as it grows. They're they're almost like struggling with each other in the womb. And so the mother says, Oh my goodness, they're gonna fight each other the rest of their life. And so she starts to pray, Lord, why is this happening to me? And the Lord says, you're right, this isn't just kicking and that kind of a thing. There's something divine happening. You see, the two sons in your womb are going to become two great nations. And and from the very beginning, even before they were born, they're going to be rivals. And there's one nation is going to be stronger than the other. And based on tradition, you would assume that it would be the older one that would be over the younger one. But because Jesus is establishing his kingdom a certain way, he's going to establish his kingdom your older son will serve your younger son. And so the time comes to give birth and Rebecca's in the operating room and maybe she's thinking, man, I hope these babies aren't ugly. Man, I hope that, you know, they're healthy. And so she gives birth to this first baby that's red and hairy. It's weird. Baby had back hair right out of the gate, but I mean, just hairy. Took some of us... 30 or 40 years to get back here. This baby got it right overnight. And then the second baby. So they named him Esau because he was hairy and red. I don't know. They just did. And then the other twin, right after Esau is born, it's almost like, you know, this Jacob has actually got his hand on his brother's heel 
Uh, scripture says right out of the gate, he's grasping Esau's heel. And so they name him Jacob, which, which means heel grabber, which means deceiver. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. And so these two babies are born and Isaac and Rebecca, they give God praise because God has provided for them when it didn't feel like anything could happen. And so they begin to grow up. I don't want to bore you with a big, long story because there's a lot to it. But Jacob, or excuse me, Esau, he becomes a skilled outdoor huntsman. And if you read through 25 and 26, you can see that. And Isaac loved Esau because Esau would kill this wild game and then cook it. And Isaac loved that. And then Rebecca, she she loved Jacob, maybe because God had kind of revealed to her what was going to take place. And Jacob didn't even like to hunt. He was a tent dweller. He hung among the tents, the houses. He didn't like that. He was kind of domestic. But very early on, Jacob learned to wrestle for what he wanted. Some of us in here, you've had to fight for everything that you have. Nothing was handed to you. You had to fight for everything. You had to wrestle for everything, and that was Jacob. Jacob always had to start from behind and fight his way to the top. And it didn't matter what he had to do to get it. He was going to get it. And so a couple of things that were important back then was if you were the firstborn, you were given a birthright. You had the, the firstborn got the birthright, which meant that you got the position in the family and you got the majority of the of the inheritance in the family. And you also w- would later receive a blessing from the dad that would give you favor with family with foes and finances and farming and just i mean you just it just kind of was this double thing for the oldest person it was just the way it was and jacob steals esau's wrestles away esau's birthright and blessing jacob decides that he wants to take advantage of esau's impulsivity and esau comes in from hunting and he's like man i'm starving What's that smell? And Jacob says, man, I'm cooking stew. And he said, won't you give me some of that stew? And, and Jacob was like, my brother's just kind of impulsive. You know what? I'll give you this stew if you give me your birthright. That doesn't seem like an even trade. Seems kind of foolish that Esau would do that, but that's what Esau did. He said, I, what is my birthright going to do for me? I'm starving. Give me the stew. And Jacob says, then swear an oath to me. You'll give me your birthright. So Esau does, and he eats the stew. And then later, and not to bore you, but Jacob pretends to be Esau, and Isaac is blind, and he he prays a prayer of blessing over uh, Jacob that was intended for Esau. And now Jacob has the birthright and the blessing. He has wrestled it away successfully from Esau. But now Esau hates him. And he begins to plot and say, I'm going to, as soon as my dad dies, I'm going to kill him. And Rebecca hears about this. I promise this has a... So Rebecca says, Jacob, you need to leave. Your brother is going to kill you, and not just figuratively. He's going to kill you. You've taken everything from him. I know God's going to bless you, but you need to go. So Jacob leaves. We see this pattern in Jacob, Jacob's life where he wrestles something away and then he runs. He wrestles something away and then he runs. 
And so he runs to his uncle Laban. And to make a long story short, he ends up wrestling away. He really wants to marry this girl named Rachel, which is one of his daughters, right? He sees Rachel and like that song, Dreamweaver, right? Woo, Dreamweaver, right? And he's like, hey, I want to marry her. And he got, starts to thinking, man, I got this homely older daughter that nobody's going to marry. And so he says, you know what? You can marry Leah and you can work for Rachel. And you can read about it. I'm obviously skipping some stuff. And so for 14 years, he spends wrestling Rachel away from Laban. And then Laban's not upright with him all the time. And he has to wrestle away some livestock and God prospers him. And in the end... He ends up escaping Laban with his two daughters and a lot of livestock. And I mean, Jacob has just wrestled and ran and wrestled and ran. It's like a pastor that starts a building program, and then when they got to pay the debt, he leaves. It's it, it's the it's the it's the one who you know is a love him and leave him. It's that country song that talks about you're a drifter. You, you know that song by Zach Brown? Zach, Zach, what's that Brown? That country song, that country band, Zach Brown band, or whatever. Where I don't remember the name of it, but in this song, you know, this guy won't settle down. He love him and leave him. He gets what he wants, and then he runs. And some of us are that way. And God's favor is with Jacob, and God's plan is for Jacob to be this nation that God is putting together and God is going to run through. So how come Jacob feels bad on the inside? Have you ever got what you wanted, but then when you got it, you didn't know if you really wanted it? Not because it wasn't worth having, but because you went about it the wrong way. And so what takes place in this story is that Jacob is is at this point where God just kind of draws the line in the sand and says, no more running. No more pretending. It's time for you to admit who you are. And so after Jacob leaves Laban, Laban catches up to him about seven days later. And God again protects Jacob, even though Jacob realizes that Laban could kill him. I mean, it's, it's one of these stories where even, even if you don't have a relationship with God today, have you ever wondered sometimes why some things happen to some people and they don't to other people? Have you ever wondered sometimes why God spared you and didn't allow this person to live? And my grandpa tells a story when he was in World War II, he, he fell down and hurt his tailbone. And the very next day, his whole platoon was just wiped out and he was the only one that was alive and for all these years he's just been asking you know why them and not me why how is god we have these questions this inner conflict and even though jacob is kind of done what the lord has asked him to do he's been a liar and he's been a deceiver and And he's just wondering why God keeps coming through for him. 
Jacob hears that his brother Esau is he's going to be connecting with him because God tells Jacob to go home to where he came from. And there's this relationship that's not good. And he's worried that Esau is going to come and, and kill him and kill, kill his family and his possessions. So he, he takes them and he crosses them over the river. And so his family and all his possessions and everything's... And now he's alone at night by himself. He's got the wife he wanted. He's got all the possessions. He's got the wealth. He's got everything that somebody would want from a worldly possession. And yet, he's got this inner conflict. And I don't know, some suggest he was asleep, but he was alone for sure. And he's in the, in the camp. And a man comes and begins to wrestle with him. Now, when we read this story, we know later that this man is an angel of God. But the Bible doesn't suggest that initially, at least anyway, that Jacob knew that this man was God. He just began to wrestle with him. And they wrestle and they wrestle and they wrestle all through the night. In fact, it's dawn, and they're still wrestling. Let me just tell you, I wrestled Chris for about two minutes, and I was like, (gasps) and the angel or this man realizes that he can't win, and he touches Jacob's hip, and he wrenched it out of its socket. I have a lot of hip pain because I have leg perthes disease. If you've been around this church long, you've heard that story. Eventually, I'll have to have a hip replacement So I can kind of identify with hip pain. But I've never had my hip out of socket. Maybe it's at that point that Jacob realizes who he's wrestling with. Or maybe he's wrestling, feels like he's wrestling with himself. But at some point, the man says, let me go for the dawn is breaking. And Jesus, or Jacob says, I will not, let's read it, I will not let you go. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the angel, seeing that there's more to this wrestling match than just sweat and wrestling around, this is Jacob wrestling with his identity. God has drawn this proverbial line in the sand where he's saying, you're going to quit running and you're going to wrestle with who you are. You see, God can't bless who you pretend to be. Did you catch that? God cannot bless who you pretend to be. And so, it's almost like this quiz. Alright, we've been wrestling all night now. Let's see if you get it. What is your name? And at a bird's eye view, he just says his name is Jacob. My name is Jacob. But if you understand what names mean back then and you understand who Jacob was, Jacob is revealing to this man, I'll tell you who I am. I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. I'm a hill grabber. (laughs) 
I've spent my whole life trying to wrestle from others. It's taken everything that I have to get to where I am. No one's handed me anything. And it's in his vulnerability that he he takes the coat off, he reveal, he takes the mask off, he he reveals his vulnerability and says, Here's who I am. It's in that moment that the angel says, Your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. So Jacob says, well, please tell me your name. And the angel doesn't answer him because I didn't come to tell you my name. I came to give you a new name. And then he blessed Jacob there. And Jacob then says, I have seen God's face and my life has been spared. And peace fills him. And he goes to meet his brother with peace in his heart and a limp in his step. So it took me a long time to share that story, but there's four things I want us to get from that. And the first is this. In our lives, the blessing is in the wrestling. Say it with me. The blessing is in the wrestling. Wives, have you ever talked to your husband and said, we need to talk about this? And they say, I don't want to talk about it. What's there to talk about? I don't want to talk about it. We got to talk about our child that died. I don't want to talk about it. We need to talk about what happened. I don't want to talk about it. God says, I I want to call you to this. I I want you to be this. I don't want to talk about it. And we run. God calls us to wrestle and then we run. But the blessing, and and when I say blessing, the answer that we're looking for, the the peace that we need, God makes some sense of this tragedy that took place. And when we don't wrestle with God in prayer and we, we don't get down on our face before God and say, Lord, show me what, why this happened. The peace escapes us. And and maybe for some of us, the blessing and the wrestling is there's something, some sin or character flaw in us that God has been trying to to weed out of your life and to pull out of your heart and, and to replace it with His plan and His purpose. But rather than dealing with whatever that is, I have no idea, but whatever that is, we just continue to run. And God wants us to know the same way that Jacob learned firsthand the blessing the answer, the peace, the closure is in the wrestling with God in prayer. This is a different kind of message today, and it's, it's more abstract than it is tangible, but the blessing is in the wrestling. Say it with me. The blessing. The other thing that we notice is, is that holding on, even when it hurts, is half the battle. We see in this story that Jacob has been wrestling this man all night and the angel realizes that he's not going to whip Jacob. And so to try to end the match, he takes a, he actually touches his hip supernaturally and dislocates it. 
and Jacob's tenacity and persistence that he had been using for his own selfish gains for so many years. It, you know, you ever see somebody that you say, man, if they ever use that talent for God, they can do all kinds of things. If they could ever use that voice for God, they could do all kinds of things. That stubborn person that just won't follow God, if they ever did follow God, let me tell you, they would just move mountains. And this persistence and this tenacity that that Jacob had used to kind of get himself ahead, now he's using it and he's not let go of God even though he's in the middle of pain. And I wonder this morning for that person today who's, who's needing answers, who is praying for somebody who's hurting or, or, or trying to find out what God's will is for your life or wanting victory over a sin issue in your life. What would it look like if you just begin to hold on in the middle of the pain, if you begin to lay down before God and get on your face and say, I'm not getting up, I'm not letting go, I'm going to stay right here until you give me victory over this, until you give me peace about this. I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand how this took place. I wish that you could just give me answers. God, I am holding on. I am not letting go until you give me peace. And it's in that moment that the angel realizes now we're getting somewhere. Because you're not running from God. You're holding on to God. My grandma would always say, and if you asked her right now, she'd say this. She'd say, well, you know, if they would just pray through. I said, Grandma, what does that mean? She said, if they would just pray until they get victory over this. If they would just pray until they get peace over this. See, some of us, I think this is what she's saying. Some of us quit wrestling before light. We quit wrestling while it's still dark. And Jacob models to us that it's dark and he wrestles till it's light. There are some things that God doesn't heal the cancer. God doesn't put the marriage back together. God doesn't bring our dead child back. God doesn't take away the situation of abuse. But as we wrestle with God, as we hold on even when it hurts, He fills us with His peace and His presence that doesn't happen unless we wrestle. The other thing we see is once you give your real name, God can give you a new name. Say that with me. Once you give your real name, God can give you. I'm Jacob. I am who they say that I am. I'm the heel grabber. I'm the person always trying to get ahead. I'm the person that lied to my dad and said I was Esau instead of Jacob to steal his blessing. I'm the one that that didn't tell Laban goodbye. I just left. God cannot bless who we pretend to be. You ever seen that commercial where this guy's in front of this beautiful house? He's mowing the yard. 
He's got a nice car, and he goes, I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. You've seen that commercial. Some of us are missing out on God's blessings and God's, maybe not answers, but God's peace, not knowing the answers. Because we're wearing a mask. What's your real name? And as soon as we give God our real name and say, this is who I am in all my phoniness. God says, let me tell you your new name. As you've repented and as you've, you've revealed what your weaknesses are. Jacob, your name is Israel. Where you have fought with man and you have wrestled with God and you have found victory. See, the presence of God is found through wrestling not running. Say that with me. The presence of God is found through wrestling. Have you had that crisis experience? Have you had that dark night of the soul where you didn't run, where you sat before God and you took responsibility, or you confessed your vulnerability, or you said, God, what is it that you have next, and I'm willing to submit whatever my plans are for yours. God, if you want me to get killed by Esau, God, if you want me to come up to Esau, whatever you want me to do, God, I'm going to do it. I just want to be yours. I just want to put you first. Are you running, or are you wrestling? Are you running from it? Or are you wrestling for it? See, I believe in closing today that there are certain levels of relationship that are not given out, they are dug out. There are certain things that God's not just going to give us. He calls us to dig it out. All of us have some relationships with people in life that the reason that we have them is because we've spent time with them. I've been in some of your living rooms and prayed with you when you lost your mother or your father. I've been on mission trips with some of you. I've been in Costa Rica with some of you. I've been in Dominican Republic with some of you. I've been on boat rides with you. I've been fishing with some of you. And you've done the same for other people in this room and other people that you know. And those experiences and those encounters naturally or organically draw people closer together. Those relationships, they don't just happen like that. They happen through intentionality. Some of us want a relationship with Christ that's deep and rich and full, and yet we continue to run instead of wrestle, and yet we continue to, to, to not answer God's call instead of accept God's call, and yet instead of engaging in worship and, and coming expecting, we just kind of come. You got to dig it out. There is no sinful habit that you have 
there is no relationship too far gone. There is no situation that you can even think of in your mind that God didn't die for and can't give you victory through and for. So the question I have today is this. Are you running from it? Or are you wrestling for it? I was called into full-time ministry when I was 16 years old, and I ran from it for several years. And I was the most miserable person you'd ever want to meet. And the peace flooded in when I stopped running, and I allowed God to answer that question in my heart, and I said yes. What's the Esau that you're running from? Have you been half-hearted and God's calling you to be whole-hearted? Let's stand together this morning. I don't know what you need to do with that. But God does. feel like today as I was standing there, maybe there's somebody in here this morning that God has some things for you, but you have some sin in your life that's keeping you from what God has for you. Maybe today you feel like you're supposed to manage that sin and minimize that sin and You need to know today that Jesus, the tomb's empty, not so that you can manage your sin. But the tomb is empty so that you can overcome your sin. That you can be victorious through Jesus Christ today. Maybe there's somebody in here this morning that you've got a gift or a talent or an ability or a calling. And you're on the fence and today... Whether you say no or yes, I'm just being obedient to God. God is calling you to wrestle to say yes. He's calling you to pray about it. You haven't prayed about it. You just say no. And you're afraid to actually wrestle with God about it because you already know the answer. And so you run and you run and you run. And God says, just wrestle with me on this. That's where you're going to find your peace. Father, today... I pray for each person in here. Lord, for some of us, this message maybe doesn't mean anything. But for somebody in here today, Lord, this this message hits home. I pray that you would call us, Lord, into the deep with you. I pray that you would call us, God, to stop running and start wrestling. I pray that you would call us from fear and move us to faith. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you. Father, we give you praise and glory for who you are. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a blessed Sunday.